This morning our text of Scripture comes to us from the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter. This is a text which we have seen in recent months, text about the baptism of Jesus, about the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, and about the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. I invite you to listen for God's word as it comes to us from the Gospel of Mark. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove upon him. And then a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I'm well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe. In the good news. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, as we come before you this morning, we have come here to hear your word, and to once again draw near to you in the hope that you will draw near to us. So speak to us now as only a living God can. For we pray in the name and for the sake of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Temptation. Even Jesus had to face it. Temptation is a part of life. No one is immune to it, not at any age. Because temptation is always there where there is a choice to be made. Not only a choice between good and evil, but a choice between a higher and a lower good. Sometimes we're tempted simply to allow the end to justify the means. Now, maybe you saw the story this week, the late-breaking story from ESPN SportsCenter, that Pete Carroll, the former head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, is reported to be very near signing on as a special consultant to the Pope in Vatican City. The Pope is looking to recruit Carroll to be a spokesman for the Catholic Church because he's the first man in history that has had a hundred million people jump up and yell, Jesus Christ, <laughs> at the same time. Now, I think even Jesus would find that one funny. And I couldn't resist the temptation to share that. I received that from one of our members this week. Perhaps you've heard about the husband who was trying to reconcile the credit card statement 
And he noticed this charge, and he said to his wife, Ruth, you promised me. You promised me you wouldn't buy another new dress. And she responded, Honey, the devil tempted me. Well, he retorted, You should have just said, Get behind me, Satan. I did, she replied. And then he whispered over my shoulder, Wow, it fits beautifully from back here, too. (laughs) Now, sometimes it's best to begin by just laughing at ourselves so we can look honestly at who we are and what we're becoming. This first Sunday in Lent always begins with some self-examination, and it usually begins with the confrontation of the whole idea of temptation. This year, this lectionary text is taken from Mark's Gospel. The other Gospels also tell the story of Jesus' temptation, and they tell it in greater detail. The three temptations that Jesus faced in the wilderness. Mark simply and uniquely claims, and the Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. Makes you wonder about the ways in which, when the Spirit becomes part of our life, it drives us. Jesus didn't just wander into the wilderness because his compass was broken. He didn't go on a holiday camping experience. He was driven into the wilderness for hand-to-hand spiritual and physical combat with evil. And it starts at the very beginning of his journey of ministry. Unless you think that he was in trouble out there, the wilderness would prove to be the least of his problems. We too, at the beginning of the spiritual life, are driven to confront temptation. You remember in Victor Hugo's Les Miserables, the novel and the musical by that same name, that the lead character, Jean Valjean, is a hardened criminal who has spent 19 years in prison. And upon his release, for four days he goes around seeking lodging, but no innkeeper would let this dangerous felon into his inn. Finally, he encounters a kind bishop who takes mercy upon him. Jean Valjean waits until the bishop and his sister drift off to sleep. Treated as a criminal, he's tempted to act in kind as one. And giving in to that temptation, he rifles through the bishop's belongings. He takes the family silver into the darkness with him as he makes his escape into the world. Captured and brought back to the scene of the crime by the police, the bishop responds in a way absolutely no one expects. See, you are here, he says. I'm so delighted to see you. Had you forgotten that I meant to give you the candlesticks as well? They're silver. They will fetch at least 200 francs. Did you forget to take them? Jean Valjean was no thief, the bishop assured them. 
The silver was his gift to him. Forgiveness, mercy, grace. It transforms Valjean's life. It was a crisis of identity when faced with temptation. Was Jean Valjean the man that the policeman Javert thought him to be and knew him to be, or was he the man the bishop claimed him to be? And if you remember the play in the musical, this is the conclusion of which Jean Valjean sings the song, Who Am I? Faced with an identity crisis, a deep soul searching, he comes to the conclusion there's a different way to live life. I'm a different person than some think I am. Temptation has a way of clarifying the important question in our lives. Who are we? Peter Marshall, the former chaplain of the U.S. Senate of some years ago, used to say, it's no sin to be tempted. It isn't the fact of having temptations that should cause us shame. It's what we do with them. Temptation is an opportunity to conquer. When we eventually reach the goal to which we are all striving, God will look us over, he says, not for diplomas, but for scars. Temptation. We don't just compromise our principles all at once. We do it bit by bit. It begins with small compromises in our behavior that seem innocent enough, but they eventually lead to bigger compromises. And to succeed, temptation must have our consent. It must have our willing participation. Therefore, the best thing to do with temptation is to deny it at the very beginning. When it comes knocking on the door, lock the door. Don't even be suggestible. The God who has chosen you, you can trust. And He will give you the freedom to reject all the enticing alternatives and allows us to be persistent in our resistance to temptation. You know, in the Garden of Eden, in the biblical story, the tempter creates this wedge between Adam and Eve and their understanding of the boundaries that God has established for their well-being. It's the power of suggestion at work here. The tempter says, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman replies, no, we may eat of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden. See, the power of suggestion, the temptation to broaden God's limitation and then decide how unfair that misrepresented prohibition really is. The man and the woman they cave to that suggestion because they were suggestible. It takes time to overcome the initial impressions and to penetrate the disguises 
that sometimes evil presents itself in and to see the attractiveness of what is really good in life. Each and every one of us, I suspect, has been fooled at one time or another. And we've had to find out the hard way that what we thought was to be rejected was actually good. And what we thought and desired so passionately actually became destructive. The problem is we just prefer to find the easier way to our goals. We prefer something less strenuous than the service and sacrifice to which we are called in the spiritual life. You may be familiar, for instance, with C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters. In that book, he describes how evil subverts and seeks to trip up those who are seeking to follow the Christian life. Screwtape is the the head devil who writes to his little minions who are all trying to trip up their charges and entice them to the darker side. Screwtape writes this, Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, the soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. End quote. You see, for C.S. Lewis, he knew the attractiveness and the subtlety of evil, the obvious sins we can resist. It's the inconspicuous ones. It's the subtle ones that snare us and bring us down. Small compromises lead to large compromises. In the story of the temptation in the wilderness, Jesus, by contrast, is simply not suggestible. He's the new Adam, according to the New Testament, a man who lives within the constraints that God has established And he's willing to live in the world on God's terms. So, the assault begins. Oh, sure, you're the Son of God. You're the beloved one, the only begotten Son. That was established at your baptism. But now, what does that really mean? Who are you? Does that mean that you should take things into your own hands? Does that mean that you should use your power to make a name for yourself? I mean, after all, what better way to get people to do what God wants them to do than to use your power in miraculous ways that will astound them? First, Jesus is tempted to use his power to satisfy his own appetite. Turn from the path of service. Turn from this course of selflessness and instead satisfy your own temporary needs. Whatever your hunger is at the moment. And of course, the problem is it never never satisfies us. Temptation means being asked to renounce something which is good or at least is needed. 
Food is a good thing. But when feeding our appetites becomes more important than our spiritual lives, we will find out the hard way that we do not live by bread alone. We have to accept the limitations of what it means to be a human being and what it means to be in relationship to God and one another. So what kind of person do you want to be? Who are you this morning? And what temptation is testing your resolve to strengthen you? They help us come to our senses. Now some today will claim that we are mostly a body, mostly a physical and a sexual being, and life is about lusting and being lusted for. Others are going to claim that we're mostly a brain and mostly a rational being, absorbing facts and absorbing figures. It's, it's not who you are. It's what you know that matters most. And still others are going to try and convince us that we're mostly an economic engine, a spender of money. You are what you own, after all, a doer, an obtainer of things, according to the advertisers and the sellers. And so we kind of experiment with our lives, mixing in a little of this and a little of that, and we hope the whole thing somehow will gel before it blows up in our face. But the spiritual life to which Jesus Christ invites us, and the life which He begins answers a different question. Who am I? At the most basic level of our understanding of who we are, that we're children that belong to God, called to live in the freedom that God provides within the constraints of the covenant. We renounce evil and its power in the world. And we begin to come to our senses and to live by faith, trusting in God's provision. We choose, like Jean Valjean, to become the people who God has created us to be rather than being influenced by the conflicting messages of those around us. I mean, look, we're all tempted to take matters into our own hands because of our insecurities about who we are. We're tempted to find an easier and a cheaper way to the life we desire. But the life of faith requires that we begin by facing our temptations. And when we do, they will flee from us and we will be made the stronger for it. Let me conclude with this. The writer of Hebrews in the New Testament has some good news for all of us. He writes, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We have one who in every respect has been tested as we are and yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, 
so that we may receive mercy and find help. The grace to help in time of need. It's clear that the temptation of Jesus was not only for his own sake, but for ours as well. And the good news is he has passed the test and he can help us pass ours, whatever test we may be facing now. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.